Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna. We are continuing our spotlight on cardiac athletes. Lars Andrews, who was a guest on Heart to Heart with Anna, wrote a book called Cardiac Athletes. He's now gearing up to assemble Cardiac Athletes 2, featuring stories about athletes who have undergone cardiac procedures. Some of the athletes were born with congenital heart defects, and some have acquired heart disease. I have so been enjoying interviewing these athletes who will be featured in his book and other athletes as well. Today, we will meet Amy Osinski. So welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Amy. Hi, thanks. I'm excited to have another woman on the show. We don't have enough women featured in the Cardiac Athletes Spotlight series, so it's really wonderful to talk with another woman. Let's start by talking about what your cardiac condition is, Amy. I am an aortic aneurysm survivor. Okay. Can you tell us about when that was discovered and how it was dealt with? In 2009, I became a bone marrow donor, and when you do that, you get the most thorough physical exam ever. I mean, actually months of testing, and everything was fine. And I started running. This was probably one of the first signs, but I didn't realize it because I hadn't been a runner before, and I could never build. So you do a training program, and you gradually add more miles. I could never build. Every race I did, I progressively just got worse. But I didn't think anything. I just went in for a normal checkup a year after I had donated. And my doctor heard a very loud heart murmur. And that was the start of everything. So is the aortic aneurysm related to you giving bone marrow? Absolutely not. No. Okay, good. I I wouldn't think so. I'm like, wait a minute. I've never heard of this before. Okay. It just is coincidental that it happened right after you had donated bone marrow. Right. And I think it really highlights how quickly things can change with your body. And so. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that the human body frequently does have aneurysms that we don't know about. And a lot of them are inconsequential. But apparently, you know, if you have an aneurysm on your aorta, your aorta is pretty darn important. Mm-hmm. So, and things can progress quickly, like you said. So, uh, what hearing a murmur is one thing. A lot of people, when they hear murmurs, they think about heart valves that have problems. You don't think about aneurysms. So, how was it that they were able to identify that you actually had an aneurysm? The murmur was loud, and because it was brand new, she said, oh, people get heart murmurs all the time. It's probably no big deal, but she just had a funny feeling and scheduled an emergency echo, and it was in the echo. I I knew in the echo, even though the 
the tech couldn't tell me anything. The first thing she said was, so you came in because you're in pain? And I was like, no, not having any pain. And her face was just complete shock. And I knew, I knew something was wrong then. Yeah, yeah, that's scary. And from having been through many echoes with my son, who is a heart warrior, I know the texts don't tell you much of anything. Yes, they can give away stuff with their face or their body language, but they're not really supposed to tell you much of anything. Right, right. Okay, so did she go get the doctor to come in and do the echo with her? Because sometimes I hear that happens, or to come and talk to you right away. What happened? So she didn't say another word. And as I was getting dressed, she said, okay, I'm going to go show this to the head cardiologist. And then I'll let you know if you're allowed to leave, which was, <laughs> yeah, which was another sign. Not I, a good sign. No, because I wasn't in a hospital either. So I knew oh. they were going to call an ambulance if you know, the cardiologist. Yeah. Yeah. So then she came back and she was like, okay, you can go home. Just don't lift anything. And I said, well, I work on Wednesday and she shook her head. No. And she's like, you're not going to work. You don't need a note. And I went to the car and was like, called my family. Sorry, I get emotional. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, she just told you your life is changing. Go home. Yeah. Wait, wait a minute. (laughs) That's, that's terrifying. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. So you're going home. You're not even sure what's going on. I have no idea. I did call all my family. I, I called, I said, there's something very wrong. Brace yourselves. I don't know what it is yet. And, and, um, yeah. But it's not bad enough for the ambulance to come yet. So. Right. (laughs) So, I mean, did you have the weekend to go through or was it just the next day? No, I I actually, as I was opening the door to my house, my doctor called and yeah, it was, it it was a very bad aneurysm on top of all of it. So, um, yeah, she called and she said, you have a large aortic aneurysm. Do not drive, get a ride to the ER. There's a cardiothoracic team waiting for you. Oh my gosh, Amy, please tell me you weren't all by yourself. Oh, I was. My son was upstairs. I actually remember looking, you know, at the ceiling thinking my oldest son was in eighth grade and he was homesick. And then looking outside because my second grader was about to walk home from school and just my mind raced. Of course it did. You're a mom. You have two precious children and you're being told to get to the ER ASAP. Mm -hmm. How scary. You had no time to even process this. No, no, not at all. Okay. So I imagine you got on the phone with your husband. Um, yes. Okay. So you've been told that you need to get to the emergency room, but you know, you have to wait for your son to come home, right? Right. Okay. So walk me through what happened after this. So I called for a ride. I called my ex and let him know. I should back up a little bit just to let you know how overwhelming this was. I started to cry when she told me and she started to apologize like you would at a a funeral. Oh, Amy. Yeah, it was... I'm so sorry. Oh, it's okay. I'm I'm good now. It just always takes me back to that, you know. Of um, course it does. Emotional it does. place. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you get through that? 
I got mad. I got mad that she thought I was going to die. And I was like, I started to think about everything that little boys need from their moms. Yeah. And then banished, banished death from my, from. Good for you. Oh my gosh. Good for you, Amy. So you went from sadness acceptance to anger to defiance good for you yeah (laughs) because that's exactly what you need to do to be able to make it through okay so now you're determined yes don't talk to me about this what are we going to do to fix it exactly yeah okay okay so you called your ex you're going to need some help with the boys so you can focus on you so your boys will have you right so got to the ER as soon as I walked in it was like a tv show they were waiting for me it was Wow. Very fast. The car wasn't even parked. I was in a room. And wow. yeah. And then, you know, there was a long process of checking and double checking and making sure. And the University of Michigan is a teaching hospital. So they were bringing in people to look at it. I had nurses listen to my perfect murmur because they only hear recordings and they don't get to hear them in real life. And oh, wow. And then after everything was done, my surgeon walked in and he basically said, you have an ascending, which means, you know, going up aortic aneurysm. It's, um, I think, seven centimeters, which. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. My son had one that we watched for six years till it got to four centimeters. Yes. And then he had to have surgery. I cannot imagine Seven centimeters. Oh, my gosh, Amy. Yeah. So while I was waiting for the surgeon to come in, there were actual doctors in the ER that were sneaking into my room and were like, we don't know how you walked in. Yeah. Wow. Unbelievable. So he told me I had John Ritter disease and that if I didn't get surgery right away, that I would end up like John Ritter and... So obviously I wasn't going to die and I was fighting it. So I said, surgery right away. Let's, let's do this. Where do I sign? Yeah, exactly. It wasn't, it wasn't really a choice. Right. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's pretty famous for aortic aneurysm repair. And he said, with my ability and your overall good health, this will be no problem. We're going to save you. So do we want to give a plug to this awesome surgeon? Dr. Deeb at the University of Michigan. Okay. <laughs> good to go. <Yes. know. laughs> okay. Yep. So. Well, good. That must have made you feel a lot better because your whole life has just been turned upside down. But finally, somebody comes in and says, we're going to fix it. Yep. He was very confident. And I was like, yep, you're my doctor. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And there was no time to get nervous because you were just doing it. Mm-hmm. I did have a couple days between being able to get the surgery. So they put me in the ICU, I think. So I went in on a Monday and I had the surgery on Wednesday. Okay. I was bumped that there was a woman whose aneurysm actually dissected and she tore. So you were happy to let her go first so they yeah. could hopefully save her life. Yes. Okay. Right. Yeah. You don't want to be her. No. You want to be the one who's stable, who's okay, and can get it without it being an emergency procedure. But that just, wow, that just brings home how critical it is to be where you need to be, which is in the ICU, 
exactly. when something like this is discovered. Okay, so you had a couple of days to think about it. If you're like me, you're on the internet reading everything you can about this. Actually, I wasn't. I feel like I didn't have a smartphone at that time, and I didn't really have any internet access. Okay. My my laptop came in after the surgery just to keep me occupied. Sure. <laughs> yeah. They kept my emotions under control. Like, uh, I'm not sure what they gave me, maybe like Ativan or something, but uh, okay. they, they didn't let my blood pressure go up. They kept everything very monitored. And I was still like, I'm not dying. So anyone who was feeling sad or scared, I couldn't have that around me for those days. Well, good for you. So you surrounded yourself with positive people and positive thoughts. Exactly. So that's really, really good. And before you knew it, 48 hours is up. You're in the operating theater. The most common theme that I hear is why. She always needed um, a lot of attention. She had strokes. Even though it's a natural inclination to withdraw from the CHD community, I think being a part of it to help me be part of the solution. Heart to Heart with Michael. Please join us every Thursday at noon Eastern. I'm Michael Lieben, and I'll be your host as we talk with people from around the world who have experienced those most difficult moments. Home Tonight Forever by the Baby Blues Sound Collective. I think what I love so much about this CD is that some of the songs were inspired by the patients. Many listeners will understand many of the different songs and what they've been inspired by. Our new album will be available on iTunes, Amazon.com, Spotify. I love the fact that the proceeds from this CD are actually going to help those with congenital heart defects. Enjoy the music. Home tonight forever. So that's really, really good. And... Before you knew it, 48 hours is up. You're in the operating theater. Yep. Yep. Do they know what caused the aortic aneurysm? For a long time, I've had strange issues sort of plague me that never seemed related. And while I was there, they gave me this general diagnosis of mixed connective tissue disorder. Because my blood pressure was low, my cholesterol was good, my BMI was good. There wasn't really any reason that they could find. But I had had autoimmune disease symptoms. And so that state of mystery, general mixed connective tissue disorder, which usually means they don't really know what the disease is, but they know something's there. Okay. And then two years later, I was actually diagnosed with an autoimmune disease in the vasculitis family that causes aneurysms. So, oh, wow. So yeah. now is that being treated so you don't have to worry about having another aneurysm? Yes. Yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. Taking care of it. Okay. So it's hard for me to believe somebody who's been running and all this has this happened, but I've been talking to athlete after athlete and many of the people in the cardiac athletes group are runners. Curious, have you been able to get back to running since you had your aneurysm repaired? Yeah, actually what I did because I wasn't really a runner prior to it. I had been doing 5Ks, walking, running, but I just put it in my mind that I had to see, um, I don't know how to explain this. 
I was obviously scared. After I woke up, I was scared that another aneurysm could happen, something could go wrong. And the idea that I could build in running became the thing comfort. So I decided to run a half marathon and I was able to do that with the cardiac athletes nine months after my surgery. Oh my gosh, that is such an inspiring story. Wow. Nine months after your surgery, you ran a half marathon. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So what does being a cardiac athlete mean to you, Amy? It means, number one, just showing anyone that they can overcome any obstacle. For me, it meant hope, too, because I found them after surgery. I didn't know. I had three months where I really wasn't allowed to do much of anything. I had to keep my heart rate under 100. And I didn't know if I was ever going to have a normal life. I thought maybe... I was going to be stuck in a rocking chair, like crocheting blankets or something. And I was 35 years old. So I found them while I was recovering, while that three months happened. And just being able to see their stories Mm -hmm. gave me hope and let me know that life wasn't over because I was a heart patient. That's wonderful. And so sounds like they became your support system. Yes, it definitely did. That is a wonderful story. Do you have any special advice that you would give to somebody else who has just discovered they have an aortic aneurysm? If they've just discovered it, I would say go into your surgery with a fighter's mentality. Apparently, I woke up from mine actually trying to fight, I guess. I don't remember. but I, I can just picture it just from talking to you. I can just imagine it, Amy. Yeah. <laughs> And my ICU nurses were like, the people who wake up fighting are the ones that actually recover the quickest because it's just some kind of attitude. So I would say go in with your toughest, ready to fight spirit and then just don't let it stop you. Just keep fighting. Well, I love your story. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Amy. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I love these inspiring stories, and I love how you don't let anything keep you down. That's just that's just wonderful. Are you going to be taking part in Lars's Cardiac Athletes book, too? I am actually in his first book. Oh, are you? Wonderful. Yeah. Yep, I think he's doing an update because since my half marathon, I've become a triathlete. So he may be updating that. I love it. I love it. And people will see, not only did she not let it stop her, now she's going even further. Talk about building. Wow. Wow. (laughs) That's fabulous. Well, friends, you can find out about the Cardiac Athletes book on Amazon.com. And you can find out about the Cardiac Athletes group on Facebook. Thanks for listening today. Please come back next week when we'll feature another cardiac athlete. And until then, remember, my friends, you are not alone. Heart to Heart with Anna is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network. Hearts Unite the Globe is a nonprofit organization devoted to providing resources to the congenital heart defect community to uplift, empower, and enrich the lives of our community members. If you would like access to free resources pertaining to the CHD community, please visit our website at www.congenitalheartdefects.com for information about CHD, the hospitals that treat children with CHD, summer camps for CHD survivors, and much, much more.
Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you have been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna, with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time.